You're listening to The Itch, Rock Matters. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And this week, we're going to discuss all things 311. All things. So many of the things that are 311. And there's a lot of 311 to talk about. There's a lot of things, especially over 30 years. They're celebrating their 30-year anniversary of being a thing, and we're going to celebrate with them. Doesn't that make you feel old? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But what are you going to do? If it makes us feel old, think of how old it makes them feel. I'm sure it's because they are old. (laughs) Well, they are old. Uh, Yeah, I was I was in like seventh grade or something when this when they had their first major release in 1995. What's the first song you remember hearing? Down. Yeah. Okay. Same here. I don't remember particularly if it was down or all mixed up. It was definitely one of them. And then obviously the other soon after. Hence how that release worked. But, uh, okay, here's another one for you guys related to that. Do you guys remember the station that existed before Extreme Radio that we talked about on the Primus episode? Before Extreme Radio? Yeah, do you remember what Extreme Radio was before that or somewhere before that? Yeah, it was Alice. It was Alice. Uh, Or Q104. There you go. So the the St. Louis radio stations, yeah, extreme radio existing, playing the rock that that we loved. Alice before that, I just remember when Alice went off the air, extreme radio's commercials would always be like, Alice doesn't live here anymore. <laughs> and that was their thing for some reason. But it was hilarious. <laughs> before extreme and before Alice, there was Q104, which I have fairly vivid memories of, <laughs> of listening to that as yeah probably seventh grade ish maybe a little bit before that even yeah and it wasn't a rock station per se but i am pretty positive that that is where i first heard 311 i I have mixed up memories of them and like the quad city djs if you remember (laughs) come come on ride the train space jam no but the space jam song and the hot steppa that was played on that one a lot of those things killing me softly yep that's the one I remember from sixth grade hearing it on Q104, like to and from school. It was always <laughs> the Fuji's killing me softly. <laughs> it is possible that I'm mixing things up, but in my memory, that's where all mixed up happened. That's where I first was introduced to 311. Because it does sound a little bit weird to put them in there with Quasity DJs and the Fuji's, but I think it happened. I, I think you're probably right about that because I'm pretty sure it was before Z1077 came about, and I'm pretty sure that Z1077 came about and basically to kind of rejuvenate Q104 because it had gone away by that point. Yeah, I loved Q104. I was introduced to so much stuff and 311, that was my first exposure and I still fondly remember it and oh, hmm. should I tell I, you guys this? I, I didn't like it, I'm not going to lie because I was forced to listen to it on the school bus and I, <laughs> I was not, I was a rock child, I didn't really like that type of music at the time. <laughs> Um, and so I, I still remember like hearing like no diggity and, uh, and like all kinds Motown of other songs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't mind them, but like, it just was not my preference. I would much rather have sat there and listened to something else other than any of that stuff on the way to school and back. <laughs> Dude, I still have a playlist created that has all those songs and, and this is how we do it and all that. 
Uh, yeah, Montel that, Williams and Montel Montel Jordan. Montel Jordan. Oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, Montel. Jordan. Montel Williams was a talk show host. <laughs> Montel same Jordan time was, period, but yeah, yeah, same time period for sure. Montel Jordan was like a six foot eight dude who sang "This Is How We Do It." Yep. And, and somehow three eleven got mixed in there. And I'm going to tell you guys this. I don't know if I've ever told anybody in this before because it's ridiculous and it makes me look like an idiot. But keep in mind. I was like 12 or 13. So I'm okay with being called an idiot at that age because we're all idiots when we're children. So when I first heard 311, I thought that both of the vocalists were women. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even sure I can justify that now. Like I can't, if I go back and listen to those songs, which I have been, they don't really sound like women. But somewhere in my brain at that point, I was curious. I was like, are these ladies? Uh, <laughs> what's happening here? <laughs> <laughs> and it also could be that because like we, we just mentioned some of the other artists that were played on that station. Maybe I just kind of presumed that 311 was an artist that was similar to them. Like, like there was a, there was I don't know, I think of like Missy Elliott and people like that. And there were some like rappers and people around there that kind of like females that that kind of had a little bit of that. I don't know, almost bassy tone to them. I can kind of where you made that distinction. though. If you had no idea, if you'd never seen them before in your life and you were a 12 year old idiot, then (laughs) maybe I should cut myself a little slack. I I since have have found out that no one in 311 is a woman. They're actually all dudes. (laughs) So 311 is Nick Hexum and S.A. Martinez as your vocalists. Peanut is the bassist and Tim Mahoney is the guitarist and Chad Sexton is their drummer. I want to note 311 has some of the most distinctive band dancing of any band that I'm aware of. You can spot Peanut's like leg lift (laughs) bass playing moves and whatever the thing is that that S.A. does. (laughs) He kind of throws his head back and just kind of flops around a little bit. He is a strange bird up on stage. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> and, and those guys have honed those dance moves. We just mentioned this band's been around for 30 years. So they've been dropping those moves pretty much that whole time, I think. I think that's just a signature of a band that has great uh, stage presence. Because like, there's so many artists that I can think of that just have their own signature style. Mick Jagger comes to mind. Scott Weiland, the way that they move, it's just their own style. That's uh, very true. And uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's just, there's a tons of, we could list tons of them all day, but like, I just think that good bands that have great stage presence that have been around for a while and they know what, you know, how to entertain, even entertain large groups of people. Uh, yeah, they just know how to uh, maintain that, that focus on them and, and carry the sage presence. I was actually, we, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I was reading Ben Fold's uh, book, and he talks about kind of that very thing as whenever Ben Fold's five was getting big, he, he came upon a couple of ideas that basically become became part of his his stage act. So he started standing up and like leaning over the piano so that he could like play more aggressively because they were trying to be kind of like piano punk rock sort of. And so he, he just, you know, got rid of the stool pretty much. And then he reached a point where he, he added that at the end of the show, he would throw the stool at the piano. <laughs> and so, like, I think he said, like, the first time it was just a, like a spontaneous action. And then he realized that that could be kind of a thing. And so he just incorporated it for a while until it kind of ran its course. And he started accidentally destroying other people's pianos. 
and realized that that was not a gimmick that had longevity. And then he did it a lot less. But yeah, you come up with your, your moves or your signature stuff and it just sort of becomes an association and maybe something that people even expect. The 311 for sure has that. I'd like to think that their dance moves just originated with that was how they felt when they were first creating their music. And they're like, mm, this is exactly this kind of funky right now. And they just stuck with it. I also think that they have to overcompensate for the lack of stage presence that Nick Hexum has. <laughs> because the dude's got a great voice, but he is like a wooden board up on stage. He does not move very much. He, he usually just uses himself as a sex symbol and wearing like either no shirt or a muscle shirt or, or whatever. And, and then sings really pretty. That's what he's there for. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm, you're not wrong. <laughs> Nick is, Nick is certainly not the, shall we say not the easiest one to gravitate towards he's the easiest on the eyes though <laughs> <laughs> he does yeah, yeah. Doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't do nearly as much to straight up draw attention to himself as some of the other band members do i'm kind of happy that we're talking about this band um for one of the reasons being that i as far as i I'm aware for having known you guys for a while. I think we're all fans of this band and have been for quite some time, but I think we're, we all have differing kind of overall views of them. And so I'm interested to see kind of how that comes out in conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. You know, we're, we're talking about 30 years of 311 and, and I know a lot of people are a lot of fans are more fans of like their earlier stuff, but Mm -hmm. I gotta be quite honest. Like, their last two albums have been some of my favorite albums from 311. And I'm super excited that this band has been uh, not only active, but just keep, they just keep doing what they're doing. They know their sound. They know what their fans like, uh, and they just keep making great music. Yeah, unless you see them live and then you get to hear a 28-minute version of a regular two-minute-long song. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's Would you thing. go to 311 Day or something? <laughs> Well, no, just whenever you see it, whenever we've seen them a couple times, like you, you never, and it, it's never a long version of a song that you like would want to hear, like, like down or whatever else. But then they'll play like a super long version of like space funk or something. And it's like, wait, <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. That's one thing I will say is that I've seen 311 live probably four or five times. And every single time they piss me off because <laughs> they, they literally play for their like hardcore fans. And I get it. You know, usually when you're headlining a show, you want to see your band, like the band that you're there to see play everything that they possibly can off their discography. And then even kind of dip into some of their stuff that you wouldn't know. But like when I go to a 311 concert and I don't recognize any of the songs and I'm familiar with majority of their discography, (laughs) there's, there's something messed up with that. See now, I think that's one of the things where we have slightly different views. I can I can see where you're coming from. And certainly, if I were getting played a lot of deep cuts that I didn't care for, I would probably be frustrated. At the same time, it's, it's like when you've got a band that, for one, has 13 albums. So that's a lot of crap to be pulling from. And for two, is kind of like, at this point, they're almost like a Grateful Deady, like cult jam band kind of thing. Yeah where they make music for their own fan base and their fan base is big enough to support them. And so 
I think that that's why you find them catering to that is because like they're not a band that's going to like catch the public's attention most likely that much, but they know their audience. And so they'll play stuff that will make those people happy. For me, I appreciate the fact that I'm sure that every one of those times you saw them, you got a very different concert because they really change up their lists a lot. And you got to respect a band in general that is even capable of playing their whole discography because <laughs> not many are. <laughs> Yeah, I agree that every time I've seen them, it has been a completely different set list from like the previous time I've seen them. But every single time I've seen them, I will say that they they do play a lot of songs. I guess you would call them B-sides. But I mean, when I'm familiar with their albums and I don't even recognize them, I don't know what you'd call them. It's like C-sides or D-sides at that point. <laughs> yeah, you're going there and you're probably expecting like stuff from the last couple albums and then a lot of stuff from, say, their greatest hits album. And if you get like three or four tracks from the greatest hits album, that's going to be a little weird because there's a lot of things that you love that you're missing. And so I could totally see, I would probably be pretty frustrated with that too. At some point it would, it'd be hard to find the real balance. I feel like. Yeah. And when they turn a lot of their songs into the jam bandy songs, when they're not performed that way on the, the albums, but they're performed that way on stage, it's kind of a disconnect a little bit. Now, I will say the coolest thing about their show, every single time I've seen them live, they all come out and they do a drumline sort of thing. And it's that's like by far my favorite part about seeing this band live is just the whole band comes out. They all have drums and they just do like a drumline presentation. And it is one of the coolest things I've ever seen because I don't know of any band off the top of my head that that does it to that extent. I know that Godsmack kind of has like the, the dueling drummer between Sully and his own drummer, but like the entire band comes out on 311 and they, they literally will all just play their drums. And it's just, it is such a cool uh, scene. I know that for years they've, um, Chad's done a major drum solo as part of their shows regularly for the song applied science. And I don't know if that's the one you're talking about where they actually go into like a full band version. I did see some videos where they would do that with like, don't stay home, I think. But, uh, that would have to be a lot of fun. I'm a huge sucker for like, well, for one band members swapping instruments or playing other instruments or stuff. And then for two, like massive amounts of percussion at the same time, like taiko drumming. I don't know if you guys have ever seen taiko drumming. It's like Japanese drumming where it's like eight people all doing various forms of percussion at the same time. Some of the coolest stuff. And so... 311 or any band mute math used to do something kind of like that for one their own drummer was just phenomenal and then for two they used to do some things within the set where like everybody would be hitting something <laughs> right and it was yeah. wonderful so you mentioned don't stay home so do you think that that's like the anti uh virus people's theme song <laughs> i had that actual same thought earlier this week when i was listening to that song I was like, man, Don't Stay Home is such a cool song. This is such a poor time to think about singing it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I had that thought. It's a great song, too. That was their first single off of uh, the Blue Album. I think it was a good choice. Obviously, Down became their their biggest single like ever, and All Mixed Up was right, right up in there, too. A year after the fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. Sometimes... At, you know, you don't strike gold until a few singles in. I don't want to harp too much on it, but again, back to the Ben Folds thing. There are at least two tracks off of that album 
that were like moderate hits before they even got to Brick. And then, and the first time they released Brick, they released it in the summer, and it's a song that takes place around Christmas. Then they immediately realized this is a terrible idea, and so they pulled it back and re-released it at Christmas, and then it became the most defining song for that band. So sometimes it takes a couple of hits to kind of, I don't know, warm up the public to hearing you. Yeah. So maybe that's why it took a minute for for the 311 singles to make it big. Or, I mean, the other thing, too, is that it was just a kind of a new sound. Like, yeah, people knew reggae, but, and, and I, you know, there was obviously some ska, too, with The Clash and, and uh, Bob Marley introducing it back in the 70s. But, like, for the longest time, I, I can't even think of a band off the top of my head from the 80s that sounded anything like this. Maybe the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but their early stuff was really kind of different, too. Yeah, it was a different funk sound more than the reggae sky yeah. sound. The Chili Peppers are about as close as I can think, but yeah, there's still a difference. Like their sound was at least definitely to me again as as a child, so I hadn't heard as much stuff, but it was super fresh at that time. Yeah, and it's more the vocal stylings than anything else though. Right. The dual vocalist with one doing mostly singing and one doing mostly rapping as well. Although they they tended to blend both singing and both rapping more than like a Linkin Park or other bands do. Yeah. I mean, I guess it also helped too, that there was like, you know, 311 and sublime kind of came out around the same time and they both blew up and kind of blew that music scene up uh, with the, that particular sound. That's a good point. That was a good time for, for rock to me. I, I immediately had an affinity for that band. I thought that the blue album, simple as it was like that shade of blue, which is the logo was a fantastic album cover. I thought it just made the band look really cool, I guess is the word to to use. As a middle schooler, they definitely were a cool band. (laughs) Yeah. I can't say that I think they're a cool band anymore by any means. I can say that I still enjoy them. Well, that's uh, because what we say is cool is not actually cool. So (laughs) True. Which is, I think, one of the freedoms of getting older is you like what you like and it doesn't matter if it's a popular thing. We're not trying to appease, you know, whatever the next big hit is. We're trying to talk about stuff that we think is genuinely enjoyable. I never yeah. really liked what I liked if it was just because it was popular. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, if I, I probably heard it more often because it was popular, but that doesn't mean I like it. Well, 311 is one of those bands that, like uh, Papa Roach, where they at least the last couple of albums where they've kind of switched up more electronic styles and stuff where it meshes with their original sound pretty well. I think the other thing is too, is that their most recent albums, one of the reasons why I like them more is because I feel that they're a little bit more hard rock oriented. They're not necessarily about relaxing and, and uh, you know, just chilling. Uh, it's, it's more like just awesome guitar lines that just, grab you and make you want to like bob your head or throw some stuff oh they've had some awesome you know guitar lines like a like on crossfire and yeah for one that comes to mind but then i think i think that they've also flipped around a lot because you go back to uh to mosaic from 2017 and they also do seem like a band that makes blatantly pop like very pop songs here and there yeah. i listen to, like too much to think and i'm like I'm gonna be honest. I don't like that song. <laughs> I also think it's a weak album opener, but um, it's just it's very much to me like a generic. A lot of different bands could have made this track versus 
the better 311 songs are like, I couldn't hear any other band making this song except for them. I definitely agree with that. But there's, I think they have like entire albums that just kind of fit into that, that category though, where like, they're just meh. Albums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess it's going to happen when you have 13 though. That's true. Yeah. So, so here's one. I like this topic because Dan has said, just said that he is a bigger fan probably of some of their newer albums than some of a lot of their older ones. Yes, by far. For me, I'm the opposite. I'm not uh, like, oh, I was down with 311 since the first day. Like I said, I didn't hear about them till 95. And if we're celebrating 30 years, that means that there is a few years before that that I did not know who they were. And that's fine. But <laughs> to me, like 311, the blue album that is, Transistor, um, and a couple albums after that, those have a soft spot in my heart for and nothing in the past like 15 years, like the second half of their career catches me quite as much. There's some good songs, but I don't know as, as full albums and as, and maybe it's just the fact that you hear a certain sound enough and it just starts to wear a little bit thin. And so it's not as original as it sounded, you know, at one point. See, and I'm, I'm kind of a mix in between you two where I, I, enjoy both some of the earlier stuff and a lot of the newer stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. I definitely enjoy a lot of the earlier stuff too, but when we're talking about albums, like the 311 album, yeah, it's definitely a great album. There's no doubt about it. It's, there's a reason why it's considered a classic, but if you just listen to like all the songs and all the, not all the songs are like hits, you know, they're no, I think that that's one reason why I like the newer albums, because I think that when you look at, the album as a whole, there are more song, more more radio quality songs. I guess the word I'm looking for on the on the most recent album as opposed to their earlier albums. Well, Transistor is a whole beast to itself because it was like 21 tracks, and it, I'm pretty sure that whole album was just them doing a lot of drugs and just <laughs> recording whatever came to mind. <laughs> and so, which still made for a, a pretty fun piece of work but uh there was definitely a filler in there for sure yeah i mean i will say that it has one of my favorite 311 songs on that album beautiful disaster but yeah so for me i can tell you the exact point that i consider the transition for 311's career and it not only marked like the point where after this album i stopped enjoying their albums as much but it also marked a point where they seemed to kind of change up their production because if you remember like their earlier albums, you always hear this really like tinny drum sound. And then if you listen to some of their newer albums, they're a lot beefier sounding and they're way more produced than they were at the start. And so fittingly by title, I think the album where all that shifted was Evolver, which was released in 2003. Yeah. Which produced, you know, one of the most fun songs they have, which is Creatures. Big fan of that one. And... Honestly, Evolver, I think, is a pretty fantastic album. There's, I think that album has very, very few weak spots, if you can find any. Personally, I'm not sure there are any. And it was definitely where things started to change. Because then after that, you had Don't Tread On Me, which to me felt like a bunch of leftover songs from Evolver. <laughs> Don't Tread On Me is, is weak. Don't Tread On Me is, <laughs> is their worst album by far. <laughs> it's very weak. Um, yeah, I'll completely, I, I completely agree with you there because, like, I was, I really got into 311 as a band when From Chaos came out. It had some of my favorite songs, mm-hmm. and, and that's when I really, really got into them. And Evolver kind of was like 
the top of the mountain for me. Like, because, you know, I was, I'd become such a huge fan by the time this album came out. I, I really love Creatures for a while. I think that's actually one of my favorite 311 songs of all time. Also, Crack the Code, another great song. But like, oh, yeah. But like, you could kind of see like the onset of, of what was to come. Like, because Beyond the Gray Sky was like their second single off that album. And I didn't like it. I didn't like that song. And I felt like, don't tread on me was just that song put into a whole album <laughs> stretched it out. I could agree with that. But the other thing that, that also changed was their label. So they were under Capricorn records up until from chaos. And that's when they went with volcano entertainment. And so that probably had a lot to do with the evolution of their sound and not sounding so gritty. That makes sense. Also can you keep in mind that from chaos, which was released in 01, was also where you got I'll Be Here a While and then Amber, which I mean, aside from, you know, Down being their big breakout hit, I gotta think that Amber is probably the song they're most known for. Biggest crossover hit. Yeah, it was the big crossover hit. It was it was Green Day's Good Riddance for them. Right. Where where they went from, you know, a rock reggae band entirely to sort of a pop kind of thing. So I think that From Chaos is maybe where you start to see transition and then i think with evolver they actually do like fully evolve and then from then on i feel like they're a little bit different band than they were before yeah well and i think i agree i think the reason evolver kind of holds kind of a soft spot in all of our hearts is it came out around the same time as we did as a, a radio show that's true we were playing creatures and some of those tracks a lot whenever the show first started yeah and it actually created one of our favorite memories for the show too because uh starts out real low and then it hits that that drum beat and everybody like in the studio just started headbanging and we all flung our headphones off at the same time the first time we ever played that show <laughs> that song on our show yep. <laughs> that was a good memory yeah it, i mean it was we like do that more often. it was like three people literally that all lost their headphones at the same time <laughs> right when that beat came in i mean yeah i mean just just think about how sweet that beat is right there yeah like, there's a good reason that everybody's head start bobbing at that track. I mean, just thinking about it, my head's bobbing, to be honest. Like, <laughs> I'm, here. I'm not listening to it. It's just in my head. and I'm just like, mm, yeah, OK. All right. <laughs> so I'll give you this one. And I, I think Dan can disagree. And I, I, that's fun to me. I would say that since Evolver, I think that their best album as a complete album is Stereolithic, which was released in 2014. <laughs> I think of everything they've put out, it's the one that feels the most like a complete album. And it's the one that has, um, how do I put this? The least hokey on it. Because Nick and S.A. can get real hokey sometimes. <laughs> so you know, I'm just going to throw that one out there for you guys. So to are you do saying with what you this want. like up until now like you're you're saying that's better than mosaic yes yeah i'm saying it's better than don't tread on me and anything after yeah I, i'll agree with you on the don't tread on me or uplifter i was actually a pretty big fan of universal pulse which is really surprising because it's produced by bob rock and i don't know if anybody knows this about me but i fucking hate bob rock <laughs> oh yeah he's the he's the reason that a lot of bands go sour <laughs> yes um so yeah I thought that uh, I actually did think that like the Universal Pulse was a great album. In fact, it has another one of my favorite songs, Sunset in July, uh, that we'll talk about a little bit later here. But like, yeah, I, I don't know. I felt like this album was complete. I felt like it all kind of sounded like it fit together. But I was not a huge fan of Stereolithic. I think it's a decent album, but like there's 
maybe it's just because we've been on the radio for so long. I always think of albums like in terms of radio singles and like what what will I play off of this album? And honestly, like looking at our list, we haven't played crap off of Stereolithic. <laughs> I can tell you the tracks in that were my favorites. But but I can totally the single off of that was called Five of Everything, and it was not one of their strongest sing- singles. But it had a couple of great songs that if the show ever does resume, we should totally play Showdown, uh, Simple True, and a couple of those. I'm pretty sure the only song that we played is Ebb and Flow. Ebb and Flow is fine. It's a pretty decent track. I, I'll give I'll put Stereolithic down as one of those that it's like it's more even keel than a lot of their other albums. You know, sometimes you'll have a band that comes out with something that you're like. Nothing on this is like elite. This is their top stuff they've ever made, but also none of it is offensively bad because some bands have a lot of tracks that can go real either way on that. And some albums do. I feel like Stereolithic was a very solid all the way start to finish. It was a little bit long, especially considering Universal Pulse before that was only a half hour, which is a little (laughs) bit weird. And eight tracks. It's because Universal (laughs) Pulse should have been an EP. I don't understand Universal Pulse. It stands out as weird to me that it's an album. Yeah, it was definitely a few tracks too short, whereas Stereolithic might have been a few tracks too long. And so maybe there was a blend if they just waited a minute. And then you have Mosaic, which was a lot of songs, but it didn't feel long because they were all awesome songs. And that's where I think you find the 311 as who they are now, where like Mosaic was fan service. Like even the album cover, if I remember right, is a bunch of photos. I don't remember if it was photos of the band or photos like from fans either way, but like mosaic is 17 tracks as well. And that's why I also sort of call them a jam band and like a, a cult band because they're, they record what they want and they put it out and they know that their fans will enjoy it. So they're not like necessarily being conservative about how much music they make or exactly what tracks necessarily make it at this point. (laughs) They're just like, we're going to give you everything we have and and have fun with it. (laughs) It's that kind of band. Yeah. Which is fine. It's just, I I tend to enjoy my music a little bit differently. And so I'm still looking for a more tightened actual like album experience, but, but I don't fault 311 for being what they are. It works. They seem to enjoy it. Their fan base seems to enjoy it. So it's fine. Well, and then their newest album Voyager, you can debate whether or not, you like the album as a whole, but it had as far as like storytelling as and lyrically mentioning, you know, like depression and kind of uplifting out of a deep, dark hole kind of storyline. Uh, quite a few of the songs off that album kind of tell a story. Yeah. I, I liked Voyager as a complete album as well, because like you said, it tells a story, but yeah, man, they, they brought the guitars on this album. I do love when they bring the guitars. I will say this for for anything that I would consider like a misstep or just something I don't care for that much on their albums. And for as much as I can razz on on S.A. and especially Nick for some of their vocal stuff, that band is always tight and always creative. Yeah. Tim knows him some guitar licks. Like, I feel like he has like just like a treasure chest of them buried somewhere. <laughs> and he just he just busts them out like on every album he's got some sweet riffs. But I think that also comes from just being together for a song. We've touched upon this you know, many shows so far. It's just you know a band that stays together, they typically will be very successful because they become better with each other throughout time. 
there's no doubt that they've, like you said, they've become a tight band and they, they play like it, even live. They, they know what they, they can do. And it sounds like, you know, it's, it's, it just works. That brings us to a good point because like I said, this, we're celebrating here 30 years of 311. And that number is a little bit strange if you actually look into the band's history, but it does kind of make sense. So technically they formed this band formed in like 88, 89, a little over 30 years. And they started putting out independent releases in like the early nineties. So now you're after the 1990 date specifically. And so it gets a little bit weird. They put out an EP that nobody actually has access to. They just recorded it in Nick's basement in 89. They put their second independent release out in 1990 this is pre Tim and SA being official members of the band. So in 91, Tim became their official guitarist. And in 92, SA became an official vocalist. So touching on longevity, the 311 that we know has technically officially only been around for 28 years, but they themselves as a band considered their first official show to be a show on June 10th, 1990. So that's where 30 years of 311 comes from. It's like, this is when they decided, okay, we're a real band. And then, you know, their two of their members came on just a little bit later, but they've still been there pretty much since the beginning. Because then in 93, they released Music, which is their first major record. It's functionally their first album, even though they had released some stuff beforehand. There's a little degree to which when you say 30 years, like it's kind of give or take. If you're talking, calling it off of your first concert, that totally makes sense to me. And in any case, you know, a nice even year. And also in 2020, we need something to celebrate. So why not just call it? That's kind <laughs> of how we could always just be talking about 25 years of the Blue Album. Yeah, we can. I would love to talk a little more about the Blue Album if you want to if you want to go down that path. Yeah, as we mentioned before, the Blue Album, their their real breakthrough was released in July of 95. The down video wasn't released until a year later in August 96. So we're celebrating 24 years of the down video because why not? And the Blue Album, you, you were you were right. You mentioned before that their albums, ten, they have some weak spots. I'm not going to say that every song on the Blue Album is like a massive winner. But you got down and all mixed up. You got Don't Stay Home, which you talked about. You got tracks like uh, Purpose. I'm a big fan of that one. There's some real quality stuff on there, and it really, I don't know, it, it, it worked. Yeah, it kind of set up set up the way that they would sound for a good portion of their career. But like you said, you guys said, they've always been this, um, Casey was touching on this idea of positivity and hope kind of in a little bit of a darker place, which is an interesting direction for them to go, because they're definitely a band that is about positivity. And so Grant, yeah, like you said, they still have it in that album, but it's but it gets might get a little darker in a couple of places. No way. A band that smokes a ton of pot being positive. <laughs> That's something I, w- I kind of wanted to touch on. I think it's hilarious that this band is essentially sounds like a bunch of beach bum surfers yep. that happens to be from Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> I've always thought that was <laughs> the funniest thing. Yeah, because if you wouldn't know any better, like I totally would think this band would, was from California, especially like just looking at Nick Hexum. He yeah. looks like your typical California dude. They're totally from California, even if they're from Nebraska. And so that's reflected in their sound. It's reflected in their message. 
it's reflected in their release schedule. We talked about beforehand how these guys are all about the summer. They love them some getting out in the sun. Like we said, they had 13 albums they've released so far. All but three of them, 10 of their albums were released in summer months. Sometime between June, July, or August is when all these anniversaries happen. So when we say we're celebrating 30 years of 311, the band, or 25 years of 311, the album, we're also kind of celebrating a bunch of years of all these other albums that just, these anniversaries just passed in the past few weeks. Or are coming up. Or unfortunately, Don't Tread on Me is the most current one. That's the anniversary is coming up. Well, yeah, we just passed Transistor this yeah. past week, so. Transistor, August 5th, 97. Don't Tread on Me, August 16, 2005. So these guys love to give you music when it's hot outside. So you can bump it while you're surfing, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Omaha. In Omaha, while you're surfing in Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> Grilling some steaks. <laughs> you got to admit, it does kind of make them likable. <laughs> did they do that on purpose? Do you know if they did that on purpose, or is it just happenstance? I think a band has some control over release schedule, and a band like them in the past few years has probably had a ton more because they've done a lot they've been a lot more independent right actually stereolithic to talk about that was a full-on independent release so whether you like it or not that could have something to do with it that they they pretty much didn't have people over their shoulder telling them what to do for that album so a band will record an album and they may have an idea of when they'd like it to come out ultimately the label can decide if they want to push it or exactly what they want to do with it i gotta think that with that level of consistency that they have if the band wasn't doing it, at least the label was clever enough to understand their audience. Be like, yeah, people probably want some new 311 whenever they're cruising around on the highway, like by the beach or something. <laughs> or it could be that they just love summer themselves. So they do all the recording in the winter and then have everybody produce it in the spring and, and then it's out in summer. You mentioned Sunset in July off a of Universal Pulse. Uplifter has a track called Never Ending Summer. I mean, clearly they do enjoy it. Yeah, so they're probably out surfing while <laughs> their producers and stuff are making the, you know, finishing up the touches of, of the album. Right. <laughs> so I, I think that's what it is. That's my opinion. I think that they, they record all their stuff in the winter. They turn it over to the producers and the engineers and mixers and in the spring. And then like, all right, it just it comes out right at, at the beginning of summer. And I could buy that. They're off touring, too, to tour for their new albums that are coming out. That's a good enough theory. Dan has a lot of theories. I do. I do. I I kind of enjoy it, though. (laughs) I'm still hoping that Chad Gray is zero from Static X, but (laughs) hoping again, help. It's it's not true, but I really still wish it. And so, (laughs) yeah, maybe this is how 311 operates. I mean, it kind of makes sense. You're holed up in the summer in the winter. They're not going to be happy during the winter. So they're like, what are we going to do? Let's make some music about warm weather to remind us. Yeah, you start dreaming or thinking about <laughs> that warm weather in summer and, you know. That theory holds weight. That's I'm <laughs> going with it. I'm sticking to it. All right. That's our story. Can I, I, I got another story for you guys um, related to 311 because apparently they've played a large role in my childhood <laughs> more than I realized. So we had a class in seventh grade ish a music class where for one day we were each supposed to come in and bring a song to pretty much dissect in the class. 
And so this was the time that Transistor had come out. And one of my friends was going to talk about, uh, I think it was Beautiful Disaster. I'm not 100% sure. But one of the bigger songs from that album, probably that one. And another friend had nothing to talk about. So I remember, and I don't remember how it actually played out, but I remember that morning when they're going in, the guy, basically he, you know, sometimes somebody might like come into class and like they didn't do their homework. So they're like, can you give me the answers real quick? This kid was like, can you give me a song real quick to talk about? Probably a song the kid had never heard of before. And so the dude was like, yeah, you can have a uh, Starshine. <laughs> no, he's like, yeah, you can have Starshines, which is a super random track, 18 <laughs> on Transistor. I don't even remember which one Starshines is. And I don't remember if this kid actually ended up talking about it or not. But I'd like to think that he did and that he just nailed it. With just the most, what the heck are you doing talking about this track kind of selection. <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you the deepest cut of Transistor. <laughs> and you can maybe listen to it once before class starts because we have the CD with us. <laughs> and then and then once you go talk about that in front of everybody. <laughs> I loved the ability to incorporate music into class. Speaking of that, so it's kind of along the same lines. So when I was in college and my English... Uh, professor wanted us to bring in songs that told a story and me being the person that I am brought in what I thought was a great story, to be honest, um, probably not school appropriate, but uh, <laughs> I brought in Sublime's date rape and we all listened to it in class okay, <laughs> and, and dissected the whole story of the, of everything. And it made for a fun class. I'm not gonna lie. That was one of my favorite memories in college English because you know I was a communication major I didn't need English <laughs> you know that I mean I could see some value in dissecting that song that does actually kind of make sense it tells a story I mean that's, that's yeah. what she was asking for right here I got one related to that going back again to about seventh grade especially I guess everybody did music stuff in seventh grade this was in just our like our regular homeroom our teacher asked us to bring in a song again and kind of discuss it. And, but the idea was, I think basically she wanted us to bring in some track to talk about that had to do with pain or like tragedy. And so there was a kid named Jeremy, Jeremy little, I'm going to say his full name and the super one in a million chance that he's listening. I wanted to know how hilarious I found this. The kid comes in and he plays the mighty, mighty boss tones the impression that I get. And when asked why he chose that song in the context of what she was, the teacher was asking, he said, you know, cause they, they talk about tragedy and, and stuff because the line in the song is, have you ever been close to tragedy or been close to those you have or something like that? That's literally all that the kid had to work with. And he decided that that's what he was going to bring to the table to share with our entire classroom. Could not, expand on that idea whatsoever and i thought it was wonderful <laughs> he literally heard the word tragedy and was like that's good enough that'll do i was waiting for you to say that he brought in jeremy by pearl jam that's an actual song about tragedy 
And Jeremy <laughs> apparently wasn't clever enough to think of playing Jeremy. You did say like, most seventh graders are about 12. And you did say earlier in the show that 12 year olds are idiots. So there you go. Oh, it was it was one of the most wonderful idiotic moments. It made me feel so much better about thinking that 311 was women. <laughs> I'm like, well, at least I'm not Jeremy right now. <laughs> That's true. Grade down a curve. <laughs> for sure oh man i think we've kind of touched upon this but if you had to choose like a top two or three 311 albums over the last 30 years which one would you choose who top albums i'm gonna put from chaos and evolver probably is my top overall start to finish albums. The ones that I feel like have the fewest weak tracks, even though I do skip Amber and all I'll be a while, but I'll still let those slide. And then the three albums before that, I would, I don't know which one would be my favorite, but they all have a whole bunch of really good stuff mixed in with some stuff that is less impressive. So you don't really have like a favorite, not out of the blue album, transistor and sound system. I like them all. I will say that I like the cover, the physical cover of each of those and from chaos. I think those are a series of great album covers all in a row. Whereas I think all their newer albums kind of all have the weird, same kind of spacey. I don't even know what you want to call it. It's just like spaced out, like almost conspiracy theory looking art. It's, it's weird, trippy stuff, psychedelic stuff. That's what I'm looking for. It's on the majority of their more recent releases. Yeah, I agree with that. It's hard for me to pick a favorite because it's kind of, I associate a lot of their albums just with, you know, the time period of growing up kind of thing. Yeah. So you don't have any that necessarily stand out as an album? Well, Evolver would probably be my favorite overall. And then it would be, it'd be a tough choice between either the self-titled or Mosaic. Hmm. So I like that because you covered three different decades. My favorites all kind of come from like a five year span. You're like 95. Got it. 2003. Got it. 2017. Got it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Mine kind of follows suit um, from chaos and evolver. Probably my second and third favorite evolvers. Definitely my second and from chaos would be my third, but my favorite 311 album by far is mosaic. I don't know what it had. Like, I don't know exactly what it was about this album that caught me, but I, I, whenever this album came out, like, I just remember like playing it and playing it and playing it. And like, it stayed in my car for months, uh, which I, I don't normally keep albums in my car for that long. I usually like to rotate them out because I'm not the type of person that likes to listen to the same stuff over and over again. But <laughs> there was just, I think it was because it was like, what, 18 tracks on that album? I felt that they were all 17 tracks. I felt that they were all really, really good um, and almost we've almost played probably more than half the album on our show. And it's only been you know out for two and a half years, three years, because I like it. Some of my favorite songs are, are from that album, like Till the City's on Fire, Face in the Wind, Days of 88, like every single song. I just absolutely love that album. Wildfire. Oh, so good. So good. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one for you. I was going to say that because from chaos has a number of songs that I think are fantastic. I have a very strong soft spot for you. Wouldn't believe there's 
uh, association with a girl with that song. And, uh, but then there's some other just great stuff on there. Like it starts off with you get worked, which I think is a lot of fun. Uh, one of my favorite, like deep cuts of 311 is a track on that on from chaos called I told myself. And then one of my favorite 311 songs period is a track that didn't actually make the album. They released it on an EP later on and it's called bomb the town. And I have no idea how that track didn't make that album because I think it would have been one of the finest songs on there. And every time I hear that one, it just it's so bouncy and so much fun. Yeah, you're also forgetting Champagne. That's another one of my favorite from that album. Yeah, like I said, that album start to finish is one of my favorites for a reason. I don't think there's much weak stuff. Hostile Apostle, I think, is probably the weakest. If I could take that album and do it myself, I would probably take that track out and put Bomb the Town in, and I think you got a monster. Oh, you mean you didn't actually create your own mix for this album back in the day? <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> now, I did I did do a couple other things. This is a great segue, because now I can talk about something I want to do. Oh, as God. Kind of special Damn feature me. For this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. I still never got the people that Linkin Park mix. I still haven't figured out a way to do it without it being a copyright issue. <laughs> and so... It still remains on the back burner. However, I think I am going to link to the show notes uh, some other projects that are related to this that I have done. So we mentioned earlier that Transistor is this 21 track monster of people just sitting around smoking stuff. And I think Transistor is a good album. And I think if they had trimmed the fat, it could be a really good album. So I made a Spotify playlist that trims the fat on Transistor. Takes it from <laughs> 21 to about 15. It's still a big album, but it's not nearly as big, and it cuts out some of the fluff and makes, I think, it flow better. And so we're going to put that out there, and, and that'll be a, a new thing that happens every now and then, maybe. Right now I'm calling it Rock Matters Revisions, but the name might change. Who knows? And I did a similar thing for Stereolithic, because Stereolithic I didn't think was bloated, but I did think that it could be possible that one of the reasons that someone like Dan didn't enjoy that album that much is because it doesn't catch you very well off the top. And I think a good album catches you off the top. So I restructured it a little bit and switched some tracks around to what I think is a better flow and a more, more energetic track listing. So we'll be posting those in the show notes. So the first two editions of rock matters, revisions, 311's transistor and stereolithic. It's an alternate track listing. If you're curious about that kind of thing and you think, yeah, those albums are okay, maybe I can convince you that they're even better. Or maybe I'm still a 12-year-old idiot. I don't know. <laughs> well, you're not 12. But mm. <laughs> 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 The other part's still up for debate. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you at least give me that it's up for debate. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> of course. And then I think that I think that um, we could also create for ourselves. 30 years of 311, why not 30 songs of 311, where we, in all of our varied preferences on what their best music is, put it together into its own playlist. It'll be a Spotify playlist smorgasbord for this episode. <laughs> Don't say we didn't give you any music. We can't play it for you, but we can sure link it to you. <laughs> so I'm excited about that, and I sincerely hope to hear some feedback about those, because those are things... It's a hobby that I've had whenever work has been slow for years, actually, <laughs> is that I'll take an album. I'll be like, this album is OK. Let's see if I can make it better than OK. And that's what I do. 
I may do all the 311 albums at some point, just because with each one, I do think there is some room for improvement. And I'm being real pretentious when I say that, but that's fine. <laughs> I will admit it. It's just, I have weird hobbies, guys. Uh, so. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> we'll talk more about bands' weird hobbies later on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for a long time. Yeah, we will. Not in this episode, but it's coming one of these days. <laughs> yep. 311 and those sounds of summer. They have so many of them. I'll probably go listen to some now. I'm glad we got this episode in while it's still summer. Yeah. It it, it might just be 311 day f- for this whole time, like Groundhog Day. Oh, man. 311 day, for those who aren't familiar. March 11th, fittingly. 311 day this year was also pretty much the exact same time that the world shut down. Yep. So <laughs> I wish that we were living in 311 day. 311 day is, is to me, it's just a masterful feat. It's 311's own festival, basically, where they play just about everything they've got. They play for hours on end stuff from all over their discography, even more so than the concerts that we were talking about. It's just marathon shows multiple days sometimes, actually, even though technically it's 311 day is only 311, but they just kill it. Like for a band to be that tight and be able to recall and continue to play so many tracks is just a testament to how talented they are. And they're consistent too. I'm pretty sure that they've been doing that for years. It's yeah. Always a, uh, like a, a staple point every year. Right. And that's another reason I call them a cult band. So the Grateful Dead toured around America and people followed them. 311 is like, nah, every year. We're doing this big show and a whole bunch of people flock to it every year. And it's just, yeah, it's their thing. So I know we've talked a lot about them and I don't know if this is true, but I, (laughs) I heard that uh, a lot of the times when they were touring around early that they got paid and grass. And I'm pretty sure that they're the ones that told that story. uh, One of the times I saw (laughs) them live. (laughs) <laughs> that like they literally would just do all kinds of shows for getting paid in weed and other nefarious drugs nefarious uh, drugs yeah. was that their lead into playing who's got the herb probably yeah probably <laughs> that one's also a staple of their of their stuff which is a song i believe dates back to the those very early days so i totally believe your story <laughs> you know it's funny that you say that so like that yeah that is a staple point of their concert every time you're at their their show like the it'll get real quiet and then the ch- the crowd will start chanting who's got the herb and i don't know if like i know that we kind of mentioned these bands together before and during our collaboration episode and i don't know if the urge like stole that from them but like at an urge show if you're sitting there and it's kind of quiet everybody starts chanting play that motherfucking urge shit it kind of has a similar rhythm to yeah. the who's got the herb. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know if like they they saw like they they were at a three eleven concert and they're like man that's cool. I wish you know some somebody had something to chant at our show. And they're like <laughs> let's just make it more vulgar and we got it. Like, <laughs> I mean they have known each other for a while, so it's certainly possible. I'm kind of glad you brought up the urge again. We mentioned the song that they collaborated on with Nick Hexum called "Jump Right In" on a previous episode, and. As 311 continues on, and I'm not going to say they really evolve their sound very much, but a little bit here and there. I personally would love to see them have some tracks that had horns on them. I think that if they did at least one album where they went in a little bit of like a ska-ish direction, that would be a lot of fun. 
keep the good guitars, the heavy guitars, but put a little bit of brass in there and see what happens. Why not? Yeah. Or just, you know, have some guest brass like on a song or something. Or Steve Ewing. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Still works. So that'll do it for the celebration of 311. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about the show. We've got plenty of links in the show notes to continue the conversation, including the episode's playlist. And you can interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, or through Gmail, all at itchrocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S. You've been listening to the Itch Rock Matters. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. And until next time, rock on. Just thinking about it, my head's bobbing, to be honest.